the first rule of the Fight Club podcast is we only talk about Fight Club. The second rule of the Fight Club podcast is we only talk about Fight Club. Is this podcast real? Is this a projection? Am I here? Am I actually talking to Morgan Williams and Mason Ford? I have no fucking idea, but we're going to record an episode and see what the fuck happens. So welcome, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Great introduction, by the way. Yeah, wow. You really killed that. Knowing this group, we won't won't only talk about (laughs) We won't only talk about Fight Club. And I, no. I wonder how many how many other yeah. movies from 1999. <laughs> there should be. We should have like an over under bet at the beginning of every podcast of like number of random movies that get at like yeah. plus three and a half would probably be a good betting point. And how many Morgan says is her favorite movie of all time? <laughs> I knew that that was coming. I was like, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for it. And that's but an yeah, oop. it's true. That's I've said it about 20 plus movies. So, you know, I have a favorite for every day of the week. Of the year. (laughs) For those of you who have not seen Fight Club, just spoiler alert, Ed Norton's Tyler Durden. Just going to get that get that out of the way early. (laughs) That way, it doesn't happen halfway through the pod. You know this was my first time. You know this was my first time watching it. Wait, really? Yeah, I withheld. I withheld information. Wow. Oh, yeah, geez. I can't even time. imagine how you feel right now. Yeah, I know. That's why I was Are you beforehand. Okay? <laughs> no, that's why, I was, that's why I said I'm feeling existential. I would need a good 24-hour recovery after watching I know that, this movie. I know. I, I was like, hey, I almost was like, hey, can we do this another time? I need to like... <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. Instead of doing the box office stuff, because everyone's been Googling it the last couple podcasts, and everyone knows that before I ask... I'm going to ask, what do you think it was on Rotten Tomato audience score? 91. Okay. We'll go 88. You both were. So the audience score was 96, actually. So it was way better. And then the critics, 79%. So certified fresh. So actually, clap, clap, Rotten Tomatoes. Usually you guys suck sometimes, but you got it done. (laughs) Rotten Tomatoes Uh, always sucks. When people go based off Rotten Tomatoes, I'm like, you're setting yourself up for a horrible experience at the movies. There's so many movies I love that are completely hated. We're already going to yes. feel like a, we're going to fill all the random <laughs> A Night's Tale is an amazing movie with Heath Ledger and Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> hates it. And I've always held a lot of like anger towards that Resentment, review. yeah. I've always had a lot of bad stuff. But pivoting back to Fight Club, um, Ed Norton's Tyler Durden. He's an insomniac that becomes an anarchist and decides to basically take down all of Western civilization with a group of ragtag guys that he beats the shit out of in a bar basement. And I think that's a pretty, pretty astute way to start. So why, that's a really dark synopsis. Morgan, why did we choose this movie to talk about? Um, I think it's because it's unlike any other movie. And like you said, like when you watch it, it affects you in a way that you're like what just happened and it's I don't think you have a lot of movies that you have that experience with where uh, the reason I love it and the reason I like to talk about it is because it's a movie that's just like so captivating that when you're watching it you're so zoned in on what's happening and there's so many little details of it that like even if you've watched it four times that fifth time you're still going to pick up on things where you're like it's still like that same exciting experience that you have when you watch a movie for the first time. Mason, after 
were you aware that Ed Norton was Tyler Durden, like from the beginning or <laughs> when you found out, were you just like, Oh my God, how did I miss it? I was, I was trying to figure it out the whole time. Like when they first introduced the idea, I'm like, am I a dumbass? Like, did I just miss this completely? Or am I, am I misinterpreting this? Cause at first I was like, Oh, he's, they're the same person. And I'm like, no. And then I, I was just so back and forth with it. I, I felt stupid. And then it is made very clear. <clears throat> and then you're just trying to figure out of like, what's real, what's not. And how is this a dream? Is this caused by his insomnia that in the very beginning was gone untreated. And um, so it was, yeah, it was a real whirlwind to say the least. I hadn't watched this whole movie in probably five or six years, like just sat down really focused and watched it. And to Mason's emotionally shaken, I have a stomach ache still. I just (laughs) makes this movie makes you, it looks really stylish. Shout out to David Fincher. We love you. He's always going to shoot a movie in such a cool stylistic way, but the content of it makes you so, it makes you just feel icky because there's a lot of stuff in here with the fighting and it just, and the, the living situation, like he does such a good job. I was going to say that he does such a good job making you uncomfortable the whole time. I don't know about you guys, but trying to put myself in that character's shoes, living in the situation he was, it's like, uh, it just makes you uneasy the whole time. Like I can't even imagine having water leaking all the time. You have to walk through water to get to the basement, all these kinds I of said things. Ick, they like did a really times. good job with that. Yeah. <laughs> I, the scene where they're when he first kind of goes to his house and they have the water like up to their knees, the flooding or whatever. I was like, ugh, like, and they're just walking around like this is so normal and casual. And I'm like, no, I'd rather stub my toe than live in this place. Like, you need a tetanus shot. It's awful. The this is uh, this was my first time watching it, and I just knew when I finished, I was like, I need to watch it again because I feel like I missed not missed, but wasn't paying close enough attention to little things that were going on or like that led up to it. And uh, just thinking about it now, how at the beginning he was talking about, uh, I've never seen Tyler and Marla in the same room, like unless they're having sex. And like now you're just like, oh my God, that makes so much sense and uh, how it all kind of comes together. So um yeah, I don't know. That that's just like I'm I'm just venting here. I'm just getting everything <laughs> out. Yeah. On the, on this watch, I was paying really close. I was trying to be like, I'm gonna focus so hard. And it was funny because Morgan and I have seen this movie before, but I think this is the first time I've really like consciously thought like, oh, there's all these little mini flashes of Tyler really early in like the first act where he's mm-hmm. at the airport and he's like looking and all of a sudden like you kind of just like see this flash and that's Tyler Durden. And how many when you watched it your first time, Morgan, try to put yourself in Mason's shoes for a second. Were you at the end like, oh my God, how did I miss it? Or did you kind of pick up on it early in the watch? Oh no, I was completely floored. I watched this. I remember where I was, like age. I was a junior in high school. I was watching it with my boyfriend at the time because it was like his favorite movie. And I was like, all right, let's watch this. And he's like, your mind's going to be blown. And I was like, yeah, yeah, right, whatever. (laughs) And so I started watching it. In the end of the movie, I was like, what? I was just completely shook. I 
And then I kind of what Mason said, I was like, I need to go back and rewatch this. And when you go back and rewatch it, that's when you like, it's all you can focus on is there's so many little things hinting at that he's Tyler Durden, but the first time watching it completely missed him. Like had no idea. Like my world was rocked when you found that out at the end. And then you watch it the second time. You're like, how was I so stupid? How did I not see this part that Pam did this and so much foreshadowing that I missed, but Every yeah, conversation he, every conversation he has with Marla is such a clue that that's why yes because I didn't get it the first time either true confessions and <laughs> I think I watched this when I was like eleven or twelve which I was like is everyone just an anarchist like do you become an adult and just want to tear the system down but it was really interesting because now I'm watching and I'm like oh every conversation he has with Marla shows like they're having sex one time and uh, Ed Norton walks up to the door. And he says something and she's like, who are you talking to? And he's like, shut up. And like reshuts the door. And every, you never hear Ed Norton's name. No, like they never, no one ever says to no. Ed Norton, what's your name? He never introduces himself to anyone. And I think Fincher is such a genius at just keeping these little breadcrumbs for you. And then you watch it the next time. You're like, of course, now I'll always know why he was Tyler Durden. Yeah, yeah he's labeled the li- narrator, right? Yeah, that's yeah. his character name. It was like little things like that throughout that I want to go back and connect the dots because, um, you know, when they do the little glitches or whatever, when you kind of see uh, the glimpse of, of Tyler every time it comes up, I knew that was important, but I just didn't know how it played in. And then saying how he was a projectionist and threw the little thing in at the end, which was hilarious that they, you know, actually throw, <laughs> throw that in at the end of the movie. So I thinking through that, I was trying to be like, how does this play into how this ends? But there was multiple times in the movie where I'm like, how, how does this end? How, I know it ends with, um, like I've seen the clips where you hear the Pixie song play at the end and you kind of mm-hmm. see everything explode. But I was like, how do you, how do you get to that point? Who's in the room um, at the end there? So I was like trying to think through all of that as I was going through it. The Pixies ending payoff, it might be my most satisfying, a <laughs> best use of a song in any movie. Don't, don't at me. I love the, that Pixie song and it's so perfect for insomnia. Just it's the perfect song and the perfect, like they're standing together, holding each other's hands the city starts blowing up, Pixie's riff, and then he goes, you met me at a really interesting time in my life. And then movie ends. It's so perfect and clean. I love it. Agreed. And the, one thing, the one thing about the, the Pixies, and Chris really put me on to the Pixies, and listening to their albums, they have this really uh, upbeat, light sound, but the lyrics are always super dark. And that's why i think this fits really well with this movie obviously because that last the movie's dark in general um but that last scene you know the buildings blowing up is kind of beautiful in a way and he like ends up with marla and that's like beautiful in its own way but obviously not in ideal circumstances so i think it's kind of metaphorical in a way the, the way you have the pixies sound with this scene no, it's funny that you said that because I, when I watched that scene today, I had that thought. I was like, this is like kind of beautiful. I was like, this is a really cool scene. Like you kind of just want to like go back and play it over again and the song and everything. Yeah. It just ties it all together perfectly. And it was like the most perfect 
90s song. Yeah. Are you, Morgan, are you happy for Marla or are you absolutely terrified for Marla at the end of that movie? <laughs> um, from a girl's perspective, I'd be like, girl, you need to run. Like, this man is insane. <laughs> he is not well. He needs to be checked in. Um, no, but I mean, obviously you're like, oh, I'm happy that like he's hopefully like coming to his senses and like figuring out life. But no, I would tell her to run. I'm not happy for her. I think she needs to be frightened. Mason, are you, are you happy for Ed Norton at the end of the movie that he's been able to kill Tyler Durden? I mean, yeah, the fact that he kind of took control, you know, that was uh, one of the themes, you know, taking control, letting go and taking control and how he kind of pieces it all together is nice. Um, when it comes to the relationship status, I think maybe they should both kind of take some time to themselves, yeah. <laughs> figure things out. I just don't know if now is the right time. So that's just my opinion. But hey, love is loving. Yeah, I think I think he has some baggage that he needs to deal with and seek some serious counseling, maybe some more support groups. He's going to be in a federal prison yeah. probably because I guess we can be right. He's a domestic terrorist. Um, yeah. He's he's committed a lot of really terrible federal crimes that will result. And also how the police were just so casual. I completely forgot that scene in my head where he's trying to uh, he's trying to tell the police, hey, this is what's going on. Actually, like we need to stop this. There's going to be these explosions. And the police are like, you said you'd say that. You also said you'd say that. You said you'd definitely say that. I was like, <laughs> oh my God, I completely forgot that like little part somehow. That's that's the scariest scene to me because I feel like I would yes. have no idea how to get out of that. It's just <laughs> a total mind trap of you set yourself up for failure here and there's just no way to... It's, uh, it's like that crazy person trope in movies, you know, where you're the crazy person. So whatever you say is is not valid. And I don't know how you escape something like that. That's like a fear of mine. <laughs> I don't get how he was able to, how Ed Norton with this split personality was able to cultivate such a following and people are aware of that he's talking to himself and hitting himself, but yet still blindly follow this man, even though he's clearly psychotic. I'm just fascinated by Ed Norton slash Brad Pitt's leadership skills. I think it's really interesting that he gets an army to himself. Same. I was yeah, like, his, how is this man... recruiting tactics. Yeah, I was very confused. I was like, how is this man getting such devoted followers? So in this awesome, for those of you who don't watch Honest Trailers, uh, I highly recommend looking up your favorite movies on Honest Trailers. But there was a bit on Honest Trailers one time for either Fight Club or American Beauty. And the narrator goes, the late 90s showed you that there's nothing worse than having like a cushy job with like a stable family and like a cool home. And I was thinking about it and 1999 is a really interesting year because in 1999, Fight Club comes out, American Beauty comes out and Office Space all come out in the same year. And the basic premise of every single one of those movies is, is like, your blue collar or white collar middle-class existence is hell and you need to destroy it at all costs. Mm -hmm. Why did everyone hate everything so much in the nineties guys? <laughs> there's a, there's a, uh, 
either like watch Mojo or, um, you know, something on YouTube that breaks down. I think there's even a couple more movies that have a similar premise, uh, late 90s, early 2000s. And uh, they actually do a really good job of breaking that down and like the at the time because there's a you know you're on the cusp of the 2000s like y2k is a thing and it's like i think people are getting really existential about what the future like moving into the into the 2000s and um and additionally like i feel like at the time cubicle cubicles still exist obviously but you know we live in a generation where uh where you work is supposed to be like fun and there's like ping pong mm-hmm. tables and snacks you know there's that whole trope in our era but you know back then it was like fit as many people into this space as possible and that existence is like not not fun and it's tedious and uh i'm sure is existential for people it's like what what's the point what's my purpose yeah, I think that that's a good point that you made about it being like we're they're leading into this new century, like the 2000s. And I think when like there's that big change, everyone thinks like, oh, like you have that self-reflection, like what's my purpose? What have I done in this century? And we're moving into this next century. And I think it was a time that people were just like so obsessed with like daring to be different and like not sure what this new era held. And I think that like played over a lot into movies and fashion and things like that. And so, yeah, no one wanted to see this like accountant and they basically like your life was miserable if you had that white collar nine to five job, but a soap seller, that's, that's the new frontier. It's interesting just because people, the Y2K thing I think is legitimate. I think people are terrified, but Mm -hmm. to Mason's point too, we fit everyone in these like sardines and Brad Pitt at one point, makes a point of we didn't have a war we're just kind of in the middle of history and it is kind of true about that basically post Reagan years until the 2000s there's just this weird phase where there's real no wars u.s history is kind of boring everything's going good there's dot-com boom and a couple things like that but for the most part i think since there was no external crises going on in the world people just had a lot more time to think about themselves and be like, does, am I happy with my life? Am I doing good things? And I think this movie kind of captures that feeling that this whole generations of people in their 25 to 35 were feeling. I also wanted to talk about Brad Pitt versus Ed Norton, because I think it's a really interesting, they're both Tyler Durden, but who do we, who do you like more as Tyler Durden? Who do we think steals the performance? Is there, do you prefer one performance or do you think they're both unique and awesome in their own way? I, I think they're both unique and awesome in their, their own way. I think Brad Pitt's like the perfect Tyler Durden. Like when you hear the name Tyler Durden, I don't ever think ever Norton. I think like, Oh, that's Brad Pitt. But I personally think that Edward Norton was better in this film just be simply because of like, the scenes when he's in the office with his boss and he's like fighting himself and where they're in the parking garage and it's like him and Brad Pitt fighting, but then it shows on the video camera that it's him like beating himself up and just like not many people can act out a scene like that and make it like super believable and like not look cheesy or overdone. And I, I don't know. I just think he did so well at being this like almost like schizophrenic type 
freaky guy that like he just looks so ill the whole movie and like his interactions with Marla and everything like that. I yeah, I I think Edward Norton definitely stole the show in this one. But Brad Pitt, I mean, he's a freaky dude in this. Yeah, I'd I'd probably agree, but uh in to the add to add to those adjectives necessary because you need the contrast between the two. Mm-hmm. Um and they kind of highlight that at the end where Brad Pitt's explaining like I'm everything you want to be um, something along those lines and so I think they're both necessary I will say even Edward Norton at the beginning when he's uh, going to all the different uh, you know uh, support groups mm-hmm. those kinds of things uh, even that in his interactions with people I think that's just so good because he's so um, like he's just clearly depressed and like acts mm-hmm. it out I think acts it out perfectly and his interactions with people, you know, when he uh, meets Bob for the first time and <laughs> is just like cries and lets himself go. It's, Do you know who that is? Uh, is Bob? Do you know who that is? Uh, meatloaf. I had to, yeah. I kind of stumbled across <laughs> that, but yeah. And he wore, he wore a fat suit with like a hundred pounds of bird seed. Uh, yeah. That was crazy. The whole movie. That's insane. I would not be okay if I had to, film and a hundred two hundred pounds of bird seeds that's a long that's a long day yeah i was excited for their whoever their makeup director was i think we just round of applause to whoever made ed norton yes look like an insomniac because the sweat the bags under the eyes and throughout the movie he progressively starts to look he looks shitty at the beginning but by the end he looks fucking horrible i mean half his face is shot off but i i don't really recognize like makeup artist ever but i think in this instance we really should and plus every act every person who is involved in flight fight club like has some kind of mark or tear up on their face like that was you know i don't know 30 plus people that were had to get worked on to oh yeah to to really sell it you know every interaction he has after that whenever he's uh you know, at a at a restaurant, at a bar, whatever, you can identify the person because they have a black eye or they have a cut on their on their face somewhere. So, um, yeah, let's let's find who the makeup artist was and that team. Shout out to them. Give them a shout yeah, out. Jared Jared Leto's character was his name like Angel Face or something like that. He he looks scary. Like after he just gets his shit rocked by yeah. Uh, and Norton breaks Norton like rule five of Fight like, Club, which is like stop when you're tapping out. Yeah, and <laughs> he looks terrifying, and the makeup's like incredible. That's, it doesn't that's even look another like thing. Him. That's another thing. Thinking back of that interaction because he's killing him, and yeah. the whole t- the whole time I'm thinking, uh, why isn't Brad Pitt like stepping in? Why isn't he stopping him? Is mm-hmm. he like trying to just let it go? But now you're like. Oh shit! You were the one who was, who was like supposed to call it and stop it, but you didn't. So insane. You, you need Brad Pitt to be so. Ed Norton has to do a lot more, but Brad Pitt so challenging because you need him to be this badass. Um, whatever Brad Pitt says, Ed Norton like, I fight the way you want to fight. I fuck the way you want to fuck. It's like. This is this projection of how he wishes he could be. So you need Brad Pitt to be this badass, masculine perception of his ideal self. And to that, Brad Pitt just murders it. 
I think this might be one of his best. I we already did Aldo the Apache. I'll give him as like my favorite character, but <laughs> him as Tyler Durden is it's just so cool. Like I wanted to get, I told Morgan I wanted to get a candy cigarette and just have it in honor of him for this. But I thought at the end of the day, I pivoted out of that because it would be a commercial for me to buy something, and that's not what this movie's about. So I didn't get <laughs> cigarettes or a candy cigarette for this movie. But I really love. I appreciate Brad Pitt's performance more watching this than I think I ever have because it's a lot more challenging than I used to think it was. Let's get to, uh, let's talk about our favorite scenes. We've already kind of mentioned some stuff, but just throw out some of your favorite scenes and uh, what what you liked about it. I love the scene with um, Marla and Ed Norton where at the beginning where they're kind of like dividing up the support groups and where they're allowed to attend and where they're not allowed to attend. Like, I don't know. I just love that scene and like the different, just them like talking about like testicular cancer and uh, what, what was one of them? Parasites and like all the stuff that they're saying, it's just like such casual conversation. And it's like, this is freaking weird. Like people don't go and bombard different support groups to like find their own support. And so, and I just like when, he's like, Oh, maybe we should exchange numbers. And like that little moment of like, Oh, there's this little flicker of interest there. And I love that she wrote her number on his hand. I think that's a lost art. And I wish that that was still a thing where you could like write your number on people's hands rather than like flip it, pulling your phone out. I don't know. It's just a that cool nineties thing that I just carry. Was so 90s. Yeah. It's just a cool nineties <laughs> thing that I wish was, was still a thing. Like, could you imagine being at a bar and someone was like, can I have your number? And they just pull out this pen. Give me your hand. Like, People would be so girl, confused. <laughs> a girl pulls out her gel pen from yeah. the 90s and puts it on your hand. That'd be sick, honestly. That, you'd probably be love your wife that's, if you went up to a girl and was that's like, why, give me your number. Yeah, that's why you carry a wedding ring around just in case a girl pulls out a gel pen in the middle of a bar. You, that's how you know. Exactly. So you know she's the one. If you actually carry a wedding ring around with you, I'm gonna get. I'm about to vomit off screen. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a. It's just like a temporary one. It's just like a stand-in. Those Rain scenes pop. Morgan are. <laughs> those scenes Morgan are talking about. They're so. It's weird that it's funny. It shouldn't uh-huh. be funny to be laughing at these horrible support groups where people are dying of cancer and guys have lost their testicles due to testicular cancer. But Ed Norton's weirdly kind of quirkily funny when he realizes that she's also when he realizes that she's also ripping off these support groups. He's like, "I hate Marla. She's just a tourist here. She's a liar. Like I'm doing it, but she's ruining it for me now." Like his self realization that someone else is doing the exact same thing in him is really unintentionally funny. Yeah, yeah I agree. That, that whole interaction is is hilarious, and uh, the part where he's he finally confronts her and she's like, I saw you practicing. And she's like, is this going as good as you thought it would? I think that's that interaction. I love that one. Too. She's so fucking cool. She's cool in like that crazy cool way where you're just terrified of her, but you're also like this person, she walks into traffic with no fear. Her life, she doesn't care. And it's just, it's such an interesting character for him because he wants to be like her. And it's mm-hmm. almost like he creates Tyler Durden after meeting her and kind of mimics him after her in a kind of fucked up way. Yeah. I think uh, the other, the other scene that I really enjoyed, there's no scene, you know, we've done a lot of movies that there's plenty of funny scenes or um, like 
a romantic comedy it was, it's just really heartwarming and fulfilling and i didn't feel that if i if i did it was maybe at the end but um i think one of my favorite scenes was probably like deeper and darker when they're in the car and um he's like swerving into traffic and uh he's he's like what do you want to do before you die and he keeps trying to pull the steering wheel back into the into the correct lane and um tyler durden's telling him let go that's your problem that's your whole issue like that's the reason i blew up your apartment uh, because you won't let go and i think that was really deep and i think the scene the scene before that when they robbed the the uh, convenience store and hold them at gunpoint and they go through that whole process you're like oh my god that poor fucking <laughs> kid oh my god i yeah, know but, it's, but the the uh the dialogue exchange i think is genius the writing is so good um because you're like holy shit <laughs> that was intense like <laughs> Yeah, the, I kid would, just I to, the kid to, just wanted to work. Yeah. I would have gone to vet. I would have gone to veterinary school the next day. I'm I'm on the phone that night. Like, put me, get me in the program. I don't care what my <laughs> high school grades were. Like, I need to be in this program. This guy's gonna kill me. He held me at gunpoint behind a gas station. And imagine that kid, because then Tyler, Ed Norton, and Brad Pitt are. He's talking to himself. And like yeah. basically giving both pers- that poor fucking kid's like so confused. He's got a gun pointed, it's cocked back and ready to go. It's that seems really powerful. And then to your point, it leads right into the next scene, which is really powerful. And there's a scene too with the soap. I've always really thought that was mm-hmm. a really interesting, cool. I don't know why I like that scene because it's really gross and weird. S- but I like same it. kind of. I think same kind of concept though when he uh you're talking about when he's getting the chemical burn yeah he's like you gotta let go and brad pitt's just rattling off these absolute bangers of like lessons about life and letting go and yeah it's like these really deep metaphors i think it's in the same same category as these other scenes because they're they're really going back and forth walking through it and he wants to pull his hand away he wants to put water on it but he's like you have to go through it and if you knew better you'd know that I can pour vinegar on it and it'll neutralize it. And it's like, damn, dude. (laughs) It's like all these twisted interactions between them have, there's like a method behind all of his madness. But like while you're watching it, it's like, it's making you cringe. But then you're also like, not necessarily like heartfelt, but you're like, dang, like this is deep. This is real. And the conversations that they're having, but in regard to that chemical burn scene. So I read that Brad Pitt didn't want his parents to see this movie. When it came out, he was like, don't see it. Like, you're not going to like it. But, of course, they, like, didn't listen to him. And then they couldn't watch it after the chemical burn scene. They had to turn it off. His yeah. hand, they show his fl- – that's the thing. Is yes. Ma- to the makeup artist, it looks yeah. like he has a fucking chemical burn on his hand. And just watching Ed Norton, he's trying to go to, like, this peaceful place. And she's there. And it's, like, the cave thing from the beginning. And he's like, no, be in this moment. This is the best moment of your life. It's like, you need to let go. You need to stop controlling mm-hmm. things. And it's, it's a really fucked up thing that this is like liberating his life to give himself a chemical burn. But he is becoming liberated in a really twisted, dark sense. He's becoming this freer person, not buying. Like he said, he gets off to like the Ikea's catalogs and how that's like his entire life is filling his condo and they show the prices associated with everything. 
So it's cool to just see him be like, I'm going to get away from that, but in a really twisted, dark, messed up way. Yeah, I think, <laughs> I, th- I think you try to have empathy for the character. And I've said this before where I put myself in their position and I'm thinking about it and I'm just like, I'm not experiencing the chemical burn, but I'm hearing what Brad Pitt's saying. And I'm like, damn, that's kind of true though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like you can't, you're like, dude, what you just gave him a chemical burn that's messed up. And then he starts saying stuff and you're like, oh damn, maybe it's okay that he did that. Like, I don't really know. Yeah. You start like forth. relating to it. You're like, I'm, yeah. I shouldn't be relating to a scene like this. Like this is so completely messed up. But then you catch yourself like, oh, but he's so right. Like, wow. I really yeah, feel for this guy. It's almost like Stockholm syndrome. Yes. Like, yes. You're totally convinced that what they're saying is right and true. I think Fincher just makes Pitt so cool. And you know that Ed Norton's such a weenie that you're almost, <laughs> you're rooting in that first and second act for him to become more like Brad Pitt. Like, hey, maybe don't go like full Tyler Durden, but you know, 80% of Tyler Durden might do you some, do you some good, Ed. And then obviously he goes 140% at Tyler Durden and (laughs) blows up a lot of shit. But I think taking in moderation, some of Tyler Durden's shit is like good, like free yourself from some stuff. It's just clearly we don't need to take it to any of the extremes that he does, but there's, there's little things that he's saying that I'm like, Oh, like, yeah, that's probably true. There was something he said on the airplane and like sorry this is so random but he says on the airplane that if you die on a business trip you get like your life insurance like tripled or something is that legit i meant to google that but that's insane if that's legit some of the stuff he's saying i was like noting down i was like i actually want to like see if this is credible the airplane oxygen shit really yeah i was like yeah my god because then i always look at i always (laughs) i always look at the i hate heights i'm like terrified of being I, so I always read the shit just because I'm psychotic. <laughs> and then I was thinking about it this time for the first time, like, oh my fucking God, like everyone looks so peaceful. And he's Tyler Durden's right. Like, why would you be peaceful when you're putting a fucking mask on? Like you're you and then he's like something about you being euphoric, but that's the first time in that I've ever been like, that is kind of fucked up. They make you look peaceful in the like midst of a crash. Yeah. Yeah, whoever thought of that and wrote that down has like has some deep deep thoughts going on has some issues probably you might want to see a therapist which screenwriter david fincher is also a psychopath for just oh, he's like, been hurt a few times yeah for sure who hurt you david fincher yeah <laughs> because but also thank you yeah, yeah but thank you <laughs> it's like when you find out someone wrote a song because they went to like a really horrible breakup and you're like you know, I'm sorry that you had to go through that, but that's a good fucking song. That song bangs, so thanks. <laughs> good job. <laughs> I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the movies called Fight Club. Like the Fight Club scene, it's I quoted the fucking scene at the beginning of the intro because that's what everyone knows of this. Mason's never seen this, but I guarantee he's heard yeah. the first rule Fight Club is don't talk about Fight Club. And there's a reason it's iconic. That shit's yeah. really cool. But I kind of forgot that the building owner shows up and how fucked up that whole thing is when he's letting him beat the shit out of him and then spits the blood on the guys. That that just gave me a stomach ache and I felt gross. I might have blacked it out. 
but that's really <laughs> crazy and weird and a lot of things. Yeah. Going in that scene, all I could think about is again empathizing with the characters and being like, I've never been to the point where I just wanted I just wanted somebody to light me up and just like beat the living hell out of me. And then on top of that, the guys that are everyone that's there, they just love it. They are just they're all smiles the whole time, you know, and and getting back to that scene where he walks down, they're they're like ready to throw down. They're just waiting on a signal, basically. And uh, it, that's kind of clever in its own way when it, they let it all play out. And they're kind of just waiting. And he does his thing, and it all works out fine. And I don't know. It's, it, it, it just made me think of, like, I've never that's, – that's low when you want to just yeah. feel something. So somebody's you're letting somebody wail on you until you get to bleed all over them and feel something that way, too. Yeah, as a watching this as a girl in that scene, I had I was gonna ask you guys, is that like is that like a guy thing that you just like wanna get no. the shit beat out of you? No, like, no. Do I've, you have you guys had any friends or anything where they're just feeling uh, so low that they like, I wanna get my shit rocked so that I can feel something. I don't no, run in side club circles. Those aren't my that's okay. not that's you're not, not that type of guy? No. The one that I did run in for a little bit. <laughs> the one that I was in for a little bit, it was just kind of a like fling, but no. Oh, okay. Um, but I've just said like even UFC fighting, I'm just like, why would someone ever sign up for this? Yes. <laughs> like like I I cannot imagine being like, this is what I want to train for. You know, seeing people just get rocked in those UFC fights, I'm like, that's but- in a twisted way, there are there's not fight club people, but you have friends that like look for fights that go out when they're at a bar oh, yeah. and want to get in a fight. Small town guys that I ran track with and me and Mason know that they go out, they have a couple beers and they just want to get in a fight. And I've never really understood that mindset because it's kind of the fight club mindset. Like they want to beat the shit out of someone, but at some point you're probably going to get hit too. And I just think there's there's these hyper masculine it's I think that this movie is about like a comment on like hyper masculinity a little bit and mm-hmm. there's definitely dudes that are like hey I'm a I'm a guy's guy like you want to fuck with me man and like try to like get you to fight and yeah. that's a type of person well I think I think even speaking on that you know it starts out with the uh testicular cancer support group and they're kind of talking about how you know we're still men and um they're dealing with this hard time and Bob is one of those people that's in there and so I think when you go back to hypermasculinity, it's like he's trying to, he's really trying to compensate for um, having gone through that. And I think it's even kind of speaking on that for anyone who is in there, you know, they're not going through that necessarily, but they, you know, are going through something where they feel like they're not where they're supposed to be, or um, I don't know, it, it, it gets really dark. Like I'm saying, there's a ton of dark dark themes throughout this whole whole thing but oh it's it's, a very uh, dark film yeah but they they tie it all in together so well it's i don't get it it doesn't make sense because it's so dark and like crazy but it is all tied together so well that you're like damn that makes sense (laughs) like yeah i totally i've never experienced that but i totally get that yeah, Wait, so Morgan, you and your Morgan, you and your friends don't get together and just want to get in, like some Fight Club shit. <laughs> well, if we did, I can't talk about it. So that's yeah, we have the strict the rules. Right but no, what I know if, what, I come off as the fight. The I'm 
I look scrappy, I know, but no. We We've don't handle it that like... way. We cr- we cry. <laughs> it's more verbal. With a couple <laughs> other movies, but what do you, what do we think about a women's fight club? Movie? I think there is a movie called Remake. Women's Fight Club. I think there is a women's fight club. Oh, really? I I do know cool. a few a few actresses that I'd want on my t- on my side if I was in a women's fight club. But throw throw a couple names up. Queen Latifah, hundred percent. She's a badass. Um, okay, but if, if you were to do it as a drama though, because I feel like she'd be funny as hell to watch. Oh, for <laughs> sure. Female um, Fight well, Squad. That is a movie, twenty sixteen. That's a real film. Yeah, it looks. Jesus Christ! The critics did not like it. Who the hell's in this? In in my female fight club, Natalie Portman for sure, no doubt in my mind. Get out of here! Yeah, I would love to see her. Just really see her range. Her acting chops are off the hook. I think she's a really. I think she'd be an important piece to a gigantic movie. Yeah, low no, blow, you guys. I think she's she's our star in this for sure. Um, I highly disagree. Highly disagree. I think she'd be knocked out in a second. You need She's somebody that. A second. If Michelle Hillary Swank can be million dollar baby, anybody can be anything. <laughs> I had to buy that Hillary Swank was kicking ass. Like, come on, I could buy Natalie Portman right? kick some ass. Michelle Rodriguez, I think that's who it. I'd have her on my female fight club oh, for sure. For sure, she had she. She's instantly she's automatically cast in like one of the three leads. It's like boom, you got, oh, yeah. you got her. I'm just gonna, I, you know, the favorite scene we already talked about the ending for me. I watched the ending and yep. I'm just so happy. I will implore everyone to go listen to a couple Pixies albums. I had Mason listen to Do Little, which is a dope Pixies album, and Where's Your Mind, which is the song that plays at the end of this, is on Surfer Rosa, both super iconic albums. That song, that moment, the line from Ed Norton to her and them holding hands, that's that's going to be my favorite scene no matter what. Yeah, I think I think that's the only scene you get real regular satisfaction from because everything else is either <laughs> disgusting and gross or you f- like feel bad for thinking that's a good thing that they're you know talking about or whatever so which is kind of similar in this because like buildings are being (laughs) blown up but um, oh yeah but at least at least you get the satisfaction of like he's kind of freed from this uh, this second personality that he's uh created and wants to change so um yeah you kind of forget yeah you kind of forget that this mass terrorist action is going on in the background all you worry about is, oh, he's, yeah, he's freed from this battle of his mind. But, and you're like this beautiful explosion in front of me. Oh, but it's like mass terror. And he's probably like, he's going to prison for life, but right. we'll enjoy this beautiful moment while it's there. And dream stuff can get, people think it's a really lazy plot device where you do an entire thing. And then it's like, oh, they were dreaming and there's no consequences. But this isn't that. This is their <laughs> real consequences. And I think, it's really interesting to think about if Tyler Durden was real, if there wasn't this big twist at the end, would the movie still work? And I don't think it would, and I don't think it'd be as iconic, but I also think that it's not lazy. It's not a lazy twist. Like a lot of these movies are where it's like, I was sleeping and guess what? I like, I learned a lot about myself. It's yeah. Like that, that is not. Yeah. I, I thought about that too, because um, <clears throat> I knew people could, 
probably bring that up, but it's it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. That's why the beginning is so important and the fact that he has insomnia and he's been denied uh, medication and things like that. Like it's clear it's clear why he's been brought to this point. He's not sleeping. He's stressing about things uh, that you know are out of his control, and that's why he hallucinates and goes through these things and then he's doing like terrible things to his body so um when it's just like oh i wake up everything's fine i can't believe that happened that's that's lazy but this stems from uh, a solid base and a solid foundation of he was he was already going through something and this is the culmination of not having it having it uh addressed and fixed properly for sure. He like wasn't in his right mind really any part of the movie. Yeah. Except for when he first cries, he's kind of got like a yeah, nice little like right. he's yes. got a little nice little period where he's just like and I'm sleeping and it's awesome because I'm crying on Bob's chest. I th- that's probably one, probably one of my favorite lines is he's like babies don't sleep like this. <laughs> like, <laughs> he just he just needed that release to sleep even better than a baby. He should have just stuck with the support groups. I don't, I don't know why I got away from that, honestly. Anarchy, anarchy is not a viable solution. You could have kept going to Alcoholics no. Anonymous and <laughs> yeah, hugging exactly. some random Elkie and just been like, hey, I'm good to go. You know, I, I couldn't, the weird one that I completely forgot about too was, is one of the support groups, that woman gives the speech where she's dying of cancer and she talks about how you can come <laughs> have sex with her. <laughs> and I was fidget. I was watching this movie alone in my living room, and I just started like fidgeting because it was just really uncomfortable. And I don't, <laughs> we didn't need that scene in that movie. No, I love I wrote that because it. it's it's yeah, like I her last. It <laughs> it's like her last advertisement of like I will have sex with you. Yeah. So. it's like her last plea. I love yeah. that scene. I thought it was so funny, and I I wrote it down i'm like do we think that she got any takers at the end of the group because she was had like, to. somebody had so to ready for it after <laughs> there's 110 percent in this really dark late 90s world that apparently people just chomp at the bit to get the shit kicked out of them and bring down yeah. capitalism you're telling me one person isn't jumping on that grenade and having sex with her forget that <laughs> It was her dying wish. Like I was, I was being a good guy. The lube and porn shit. That's where I'm just like, come on, I yeah. get it. Just ask someone to have sex with you. You don't right. need to give me like more visuals about it. I get it. Someone's well, gonna come well, over she, there and she had to. She had to get her whole platform out there. Like she, there shouldn't be any questions left. They're like, oh well, I don't know. if She has like the proper resources, yeah. and she she like really gave her full pitch. So I think she she's setting the scene. Yeah, the proper resources. She incredible marketing on her part, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. She hit her five P's. So yes. that's all you can ask for. <laughs> oh my god, we're going to hell. Um, <laughs> did you guys did you guys find any funny movie reviews? I got a couple that I found. Yeah, I Let's found see. one that I thought was pretty fitting. It was he oh, said, yeah. this guy said. Uh, can't talk about it. Would love to review this movie, but we all know rule number one. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's good. I found, I found two ones that I, I really liked. Number The first one was, why did Jared Leto show up in every good movie just long enough to ruin it? <laughs> <laughs> I was talking to Morgan before this, movie, uh, before this podcast about how people weirdly really hate Jared Leto. 
and it's just it's nice to see see people on the internet just taking their anger out on someone and then the second one was the film the films you watch end up watching you i thought that was really cryptic and weird and also just like <laughs> very fit the, fitting fit the tone fit the tone of the movie completely very fitting um, I just found one five stars from Muriel. Why doesn't my sleep deprivation have Brad Pitt as a side effect? <laughs> same, same Muriel, same. Yeah, Morgan, throw throw. What's our rank of Brad Pitt in this movie on a scale of one to ten? Ooh, I I honestly think the hottest that he looks is in the Ocean movies, and that's like completely untouchable for me. Um, but I think he looks. Do you guys know the band Sugar Ray? Well, yeah. the lead singer Mark McGrath. Do we? Do, 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 do we? Are you? Are we you were asking the, the wrong Sugar Ray. <laughs> when it's well, over, that's the time we fall in love <laughs> yeah. again. Are you kidding me? More like, are we the president and co-president of, <laughs> of the fan club? Of the all fan. the things that we used to say, Excuse all the words me. that got in the way, they're all at the window, Morgan. <laughs> Excuse me, guys. I, I take it back. Uh, but he gave me like major Mark McGrath vibes, like the hair and the like the glasses and the leather jacket. 90s, yeah, nineties baby. It was totally nineties, totally nice. But I mean, yeah, he the shirtless fight scenes, like I'm not gonna lie, yeah, they really what, what well about done. The, well what done. About the, you know, when he opens the door and you know he's pretty much he's nude. He, um, yep. I think that's his like top physique. Is oh, that, for sure. That's the best yeah. Brad Pitt body ever. Best Brad that, Pitt body, definitely. He's fucking cut up. That dude looks like he like beats the shit out of dudes in a basement like, somewhere. <laughs> oh yeah, he looks absolutely terrifying. I just, I can't get over that he wears that little pink robe and just like walks around and just doesn't give it. He does a really good job of just pulling off the I don't give a shit vibe, which doesn't really mm-hmm. go to his looks. But I can't believe I'm appalled that you, do we like Sugar Ray. I've never had. I've never been asked such a ludicrous so question on this podcast. <laughs> Did you even listen to the Scooby Doo podcast? No. We spent like twenty minutes on. <laughs> we talked Ray. about Sugar Ray for so long on the Scooby Doo. <laughs> I'd say one third of the Scooby Doo podcast is talking about Mark McGrath's cameo in the live action Scooby. That's my and favorite it- part of the Scooby Doo movie. So. I'm glad that you devoted a good amount of time to that scene. It it's, not even like, <laughs> it's not even like 20 minutes straight. It's like we all just keep coming back to it. We're like, oh, did you write Mark McGrath's on the roof trying to get in to get Scooby and Shaggy? <laughs> it's like, bro, I'm so glad they put him in that. They used him more. Like, It's really, really pointed Mark McGrath dialogue that we're spitting. He stole in. the show. He made the Scooby-Doo movie. We always know there's going to be so much random shit it comes on and how we went from brad pitt being on a scale of one to ten to mark mcgrath to scooby-doo <laughs> is like the funniest little venn diagram of that's, all time that's why i, said I didn't we, even give him a rating he's an eight out of only, ten he's an eight out of, <laughs> sorry if that guy's only a fucking eight out of ten what am i yeah, i'm a three Jesus. and mason's a one <laughs> no 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 okay body 10 out of 10 but overall like looks of brad pitt in this movie compared to others eight out of ten and on the brad pitt scale he has his own scale oh wow yeah okay thank god that's not just a normal fucking scale yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's so funny oceans the oceans Oceans movie that's really interesting that he that's the highest you think he's ever been oh i i don't know what it is i yeah i think he's babe babe in that I'm Aldo the Apache somewhere crying himself to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) 
Was there any lines that you guys, other than the Fight Club, Fight Club thing, mm-hmm. was there anything you guys wrote down where you're like, oh my God, there's a lot of Brad Pitt shit he says, but I was wondering if there was one or two things you really honed in on. I liked, um, there was two, two lines that I wrote down and one's kind of funny and the other ones I thought a little bit more powerful is when um, at the beginning when Marla and Ed Norton are talking um, about the groups and they basically said like when you're dying people listen to you more like and then she's like rather than thinking about what they're going to say next and like that whole that just that interaction it really makes you think like that's so true when someone thinks that you're dying they'll actually give you that attention rather than like just being so consumed with themselves and themselves so I liked that one and then the other one is when Brad Pitt was getting up on the plane and he's like now the question of etiquette do I give him the ass or the crotch (laughs) <laughs> it's like oh my gosh and then i started thinking i'm like well do i give people the ass or the crotch i definitely give always them the give, ass but always give them the yeah. ass yeah yeah that seems but silly. i just thought that was funny but and and in that scene he gives the ass and then he's trying to like slide by the flight attendant and he like totally gives, gives the cr- crotch and <laughs> <so. laughs> pace was there any lines you really liked um i feel like i highlighted most of them you know the sleeping yeah. like a baby one and then anything that was kind of deep and dark that uh brad pitt brought to the table whenever uh him and ed norton were going back and forth and he's kind of just trying to figure out like why are you giving me a chemical burn like what's the why are we making what, all this soap why are we blowing shit up yeah oh uh, w- one i guess one line that we haven't said yet is uh when he's like he's like oh you're that's pretty clever He's like, how's that going for you? He's like, what, being clever? He's like, not that great. Not great, yeah. Yeah. I like the, um, this has us, there's like the thing about marketing. It's like marketing has us chasing shit we don't need, working jobs we don't care about. I've always just, I've always really liked that little, that little stretch of lines he has because I don't there's like I said, there's always like a little bit of truth in the things he's saying. Yeah. And I, I really dig that. Morgan, are you still there? There she is. Yeah, I'm here. I'm sorry. <laughs> my phone was my phone was freaking out. Oh my I'm gosh! Alive. Yeah, that, so that, <laughs> that's my favorite. Like of his little isms he does, that's my favorite stretch of isms, the marketing and stuff. But weird. If you're like a really huge socialist, uh, Bernie. Sa- if you're in Bernie Sanders' camp, uh, maybe there's a lot of shit you like that he's saying. I don't know. We can just start checking out final thoughts too. Like I think we're kind of we've covered a lot of shit, but we're kind of in that in that phase of the pod. Final thoughts. I there's just like a lot of thoughts that I have, but I can't really pinpoint one. It's just more kind of like what Mason said, where like I've never like watched a movie that makes you feel so gross and icky at times, but then also like empathetic for this horrible all these horrible things that are going on. I don't know. I just, I think that also says a lot about Fincher to like make these scenes that are gruesome and awful, but then make you feel good at the same time and like open your eyes to a lot of things and all the little, like, like I said, just the method behind the madness of everything going on in each scene. I don't know. I just think it's really well done. Fincher. Yeah. does that in all of his movies, but this one in particular, for sure. Yeah, I think, you know, this was my first time watching. I obviously knew a lot of the references, knew the kind of basics behind it. Um, but you definitely need to 
this is one that it's you should know the references but you should definitely watch it and for me now it's going to be watching it again and really honing in on kind of those smaller things that we talked about and then additionally i think the the writing is deep and dark but it comes from a real place of Mm -hmm. uh especially of the times and so it's i love seeing how that plays out in different metaphors throughout the movie different isms as chris said and um i think those things are going to be great to go back and kind of really listen into um maybe not so much for the setup for what happens at the end but just to really hear them again and uh have a better better understanding of the writing or a better uh, i should say like a better appreciation of the writing so uh, i really enjoyed it it's intense crazy movie and i'd highly recommend it i think it might be fincher at his best which is i think most people would probably say the social network's the best thing he ever did because a lot oh, of people i don't think, think so it's i've I don't think so either, but I think a lot of, <laughs> if you listen to a lot of people talk about, people talk about social network with such reverence and it's like Aaron Sorkin and Fincher coming together. I think everyone, mm-hmm. holy shit. And a lot of people said that's the best movie of that last decade, which I don't agree with, but a lot of people have said it. And I think this might be my, this in seven, it's just such, it's so dark. Like I said earlier with the shots, Everything shot at night here, the way he's shooting it, it just makes you dark. Everything, it makes, he sets the mood perfectly for this movie. There's no like bright daylight shots where things look happy. It's a grimy world. And he does that in seven too. And I just stylistically love what he's doing. And I think this is him at the peak of his powers, in my opinion. I agree. I think this and seven are easily his best work. And I think it is for that reason. It's like just setting the stage so beautifully. When he goes to like Benjamin Button world and then the social network and then Gone Girl, they just look different. Like their style. Yeah. Gone Girl and social network kind of have the same hue of the way it's shot. And just for me, this is kind of the last thing he did where it was just really grimy and he just was getting his hands dirty and didn't give a shit about the consequences. Like you feel like you need a shower after you finish this movie. And then when you watch social network and gone girl you're just kind of like okay like that's yeah. cool gone girl made me terrified to ever have a girlfriend again but <laughs> that's, right. that's why i've managed to stay single listeners is because of the movie gone girl. <laughs> yeah that that's why you managed to stay single huh i can't think of what i was just watching where someone said that like that's how i've managed to stay single this whole time and like that's why from hangover oh yeah we just did the podcast <laughs> go to the hangover podcast yeah easy easy, easy plug for uh <laughs> if you want to you know give another one a listen if you made it this far i think my brain is so fried from this movie that watching the hangover seems like everything pre-rewatching <laughs> this movie seems like a lifetime ago um yeah. i'm glad we chose fight club i'm glad we chose to dive down this really grimy gross rabbit hole together and uh thanks for joining me guys yeah thanks for having us um yeah thanks for having i'm me. probably just gonna i'm gonna head to bed and read man's search for meaning and you know just get a good night's sleep <laughs> i think i'm gonna need to go in like solitary confinement for a few days really just <laughs> yeah, think about my be, life that'll be good yeah i'm just gonna walk up to someone have them punch me in the face and then maybe i'll feel something <laughs> so, that's, where, that's where i'm gonna leave it at thanks guys bye all right bye <laughs>